welcome once again to Dumpster Dive, an exploration of cult cinema. I am your co-host, Patrick, and with me is my brother and co-host... Me, I'm Jordan. Yes, and we are here to talk to you about cult movies. Jordan and I are always on the hunt for good or at least interesting DVDs and Blu-rays uh, that we can hopefully find out in the wild uh, for not too much money. And uh, each month or so, we uh, select a film from one of our collections, and we talk about it here on The Dumpster Dive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is technically the movie we're going to be discussing tonight. Is uh, I guess technically from my collection. Well, you own it now, yeah. I do. Um, but I, I think it might have been you that originally proposed we talk about this movie. Well, I saw it first, and I didn't buy it. Okay. And then I told you that it's available, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the, this movie has kind of been hovering. We may have even mentioned it on a previous episode. Uh Yes. Yeah. Because it's another. It's tied into another movie. That okay. We're talk about. So, uh, well, that's a enough. It's of very a, vague. That's a, yeah. That's enough of a vague. This thing is related to another <laughs> thing. <laughs> it's enough of a vague tease. Uh, let's go ahead, jump right to the trailer, and then we will jump right back and uh, start talking about the movie. So let's play the trailer right now. Here he comes. Careful. All clear. That's it. Heart rate stable. If we don't use human DNA now, someone else will. Regulators, politicians, they tear us to pieces. We can go to jail for this. Human cloning is illegal. This won't be human. Not entirely. Coming out. It's not due for months. Slippery. <laughs> what was that? A mistake. Okay, so you have just heard the trailer to the not really cult movie uh, Splice, directed by Vincenzo Natale. Am I it's pronouncing just a his small name? Cult. Vincenzo, yeah. yeah. Vincenzo, yeah. Um, yeah, the cult may only um, consist of, nef- of you and I. Cult. <laughs> <laughs> it can be a tiny cult. No, um, well, we'll discuss. This is a cult of, movie. Yeah, we'll discuss the kind of reception and, and reputation of yeah. this movie. Uh, in a little bit, but uh, yeah, Splice is what we're going to be talking about. Uh, this is a 2009 film. I actually was a bit taken aback when I realized mm-hmm. this movie is 10 years old. Yeah, I was surprised by that too. In my mind, it's something I saw in the theater a few years ago, but that that but it stuck with you. So there, it did. Movie. Yeah, and and a lot of what I liked about it, I I I still like. I think it mostly holds up. So. Um, Splice is the story of two scientists, two geneticists. Rock and roll scientists. Yeah, they're kind of edgy and cool and, you know, alternative. Um, And they're a couple. Uh, So uh, the male, uh, Clive, is played by Adrian Brody. 
And Elsa, his girlfriend and fellow scientist, is played by Sarah Polly. Uh, they work for a large pharmaceutical company, and their work has involved uh, splicing the genes of different animal species mm-hmm. together. Um, and the the reason they're doing this uh, is... Or at least the reason it was a little foggy on it. Yeah, well, at least the reason it's of interest to the pharmaceutical company is that um, by creating these hybrid creatures, um, they can somehow extract enzymes and things that will lead to various drugs and cures and 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 you know information about curing genetic diseases and disorders and the kinds of things that a large pharmaceutical company would be interested in doing. And it's science fiction, so. There's oh yeah! Fiction. Yes, this is this is a definitely <laughs> a science definitely a, a science sense. fiction movie. Kind of a horror. Movie. It makes science fiction sense. Yes, that's what um, I mean. Yeah, there's so, a, there's fiction in the right. science. So so that's the the project that these two are involved in, um, and of course uh, the inevitable next step is they want to introduce human DNA into this project, mm-hmm. um, and. They say that they want to do that because uh, they believe that would lead to even more uh, and greater and more useful yes. breakthroughs uh, for the medical industry, they which is say, probably true. They also say, what's the worst that could happen? Yes, <laughs> that's kind of a motif that. that keeps coming back, yeah. that line, what's the worst that could happen? That's nice. That's of a little course, meta-y. Yeah, and of course we know we're watching a science fiction horror movie, mm-hmm. so... Um, the uh, the they propose this idea to their boss at at the pharmaceutical company um, evil corporate bosses. Yeah, but the thing is, the bosses aren't really oh the the woman evil isn't. in this. Well, well, sort of. We'll get into who's evil okay. and not evil, and who's the villain and not the villain, because that's all very interesting in this mm-hmm. movie. Um, but they don't want to do that. <laughs> They're like, no, we need to get viable, usable, non-controversial drugs onto the market um, so that we as Big Pharma can keep making a lot of money. Um, But I think it's Sarah Pauly's character initially who is is very kind of just obsessed with this idea of creating this human-creature hybrid. Um, Is she the one that initiated it? I I I think so. See, that's interesting, too, because... The the yeah. enthusiasm it's never specifically like stated, so you the enthusiasm don't really for the project kind of shifts yeah. back and forth. You don't know who's leading. Yeah, but it's definitely uh, Sarah Polly's character Elsa that does it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And she she puts the wheels in motion. She goes ahead and kind of he's like, oh no, we shouldn't you know be doing this, and but he kind of goes along with it. So they do it, um, and they create. And what do they do? They create a creature that is or a being that has human DNA and also DNA of several unspecified animals. I don't think it ever says what other creatures are in there. Um, I think that's not unless it's some like real quick screen. Yeah, no, I think that's left deliberately open. So they create this hybrid creature. Um, and then they also mention beyond having, you know, the traits of a human being, and whatever other specific animals they put in there, mm-hmm. there are also um, like dormant uh, genes, or, or I think they even call them like junk genes. Do they say that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, it's a quick little bit of dialogue, but it's kind of like so. Dren is, is that what, like when they were talking about they thought something was a tumor and it's actually a gland. Yeah, the kind of in that that part. So like, Dren is what this creature comes to be called. And um, she, it's a it's a female at first. Um, at first, it's like the little alien baby xenomorph and alien. Yeah. Like well, there's shades little, of a lot of yeah. things in here. I I uh, I was reminded for a lot of reasons of Eraserhead in this movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for a lot of reasons. But um, anyway, I didn't um, think of that. But when you say that, yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. But Dren, this creature that they make, um, has traits that aren't specific to any one particular animal, right? Like she has a, a tail that a spike comes out of it that I think uh, can secrete venom. Yeah, she has, like, poison. She grows wings at one point. So she can breathe she, underwater. Yeah, she's a humanoid mutant. Um, and, yeah, uh, as far as 
like the appearance of this creature. I mean, she's born as a baby and she ages rapidly to adulthood throughout mm-hmm. over the course of the film, which it I think is supposed to be a matter of months. Yeah, I was a little unclear. On it's the a time little frame yeah. Too. They do they do a couple of subtle time jumps in there, but essentially it's it's probably less than a year mm-hmm. that this this. Um, creature ages to adulthood over the course of the film. I think the, like, the aging is kind of uneven a little bit, because they'll say, like, yeah. they'll go through three days right away, and then they'll be like, oh, it's been a week already. Yeah. And then the rest of the movie kind of plays out in real time. And there are, So you look confused, like, when, when does he, it start and stop? Yeah, and there are parts where it's, like, the only clue that a, a something of a time jump has happened is that the creature will look different. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, so I... I, I mean, I'm assuming that wasn't just a day later, you know, mm-hmm. so it's... But it's it, hard to tell because they're like, well, she ages days and minutes. You're, like, trying to do that math in your head. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that's a little vague, doesn't really but, matter. But, but anyway, she's born as a, a baby, quickly becomes a little girl, and then a, a full-grown woman, um, or woman creature thing. Um, where was I going with this? Then what happens? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you're kind of to the point you're where it's going to spoil me. it anyway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they create this creature. Um, they keep her... Their regular hidden. experiment goes amok. Oh, yeah. They're 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 um, still trying to, like, extract these genes from uh, mm-hmm. these supposedly benign uh, hybrid creatures. But yeah. they haven't been giving that experiment the attention it deserves because... They have been um, hiding yeah. Dren away, and and essentially, what happens is they can't really contain her in the lab anymore. Yeah, so then they, they take her. Out they become a surrogate family, so mm-hmm. she becomes kind of a mother. He becomes kind of a father. She is sort of their daughter, and they're always they're testing her intelligence. Yeah. They're um, and and what I like about this movie is that you know there's many many movies that start out with, like, scientists crossing a line or creating a new life form. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it is the Frankenstein story. Um, but I like this one because, unlike so many of those movies, it doesn't become a kind of survivalist horror. Like, like the creature doesn't go on a rampage and start right, killing people, right. like, right away at least. Um, it's really a very warped, bizarre, domestic drama. Mm-hmm. And it's less about what... Dren, this creature, is going to do, and more about what she brings out of these two characters yeah. who created her. Because, like, if you spoil it a little, like, their genes are in Dren as well. Like, yeah. each of theirs are in there, too. Well, so hers. Or hers are in Dren, yeah. so it's like... She literally is a part of yeah. her too. Yeah. So a lot is revealed about these these uh, two scientists over the course of the movie. One of the things that is revealed is that Sarah Polly's character had a very disturbing, abusive yeah. um, childhood upbringing. Her mother was very abusive, um, and then yes, it's eventually revealed that um, Sarah Polly's character had actually used her own DNA has the um, human DNA in the experiment. Yep. Um, the couple had been kind of wrestling with the idea of having children at the beginning. So there's a, a like a, a real mix of psychological stuff going on with these two. Mm-hmm. And then when Dren comes into the picture, it brings all of this to the surface, and it really becomes a, a character study um and a bizarre kind of perverse uh one but i thought just a fascinating one yeah um so let's at this point spoiler we'll go spoilers away (laughs) i think i probably spoiled things already yeah but i mean we'll just yeah we'll take the breaks off completely and we'll we'll specifically discuss what happened but that's that's basically the the story of the film is mm-hmm. is is what's going to happen with these people this thing they've created um so what did you think of of splice your your history with it is similar to mine you saw it uh, yeah, I guess near I when, probably it was saw it when it came out yeah not in the theaters but i remember seeing it shortly after because you told me that it was really good i liked it the first time around and i liked it this time too i think it's really good I like how, I like uh, Dren is like a real movie monster. 
mm-hmm. like a real character in the way that like Frankenstein and Dracula are real characters. Not that she's on that level really, but it's kind of unique in that sense. She's kind of a unique movie monster character. Mm-hmm. So I like that aspect of it, and I also like the part where you don't know where it's going to go, where you don't know who's the bad guy, who's the good guy. It's like a um, like unreliable narrator. It's like unreliable characters. Mm-hmm. It's like you feel like maybe right away you know that they're not really, they don't have the best intentions in mind because they're saying stuff like, what's the worst that can happen? Yeah, of you course know? you know it's Obviously, go but kind of watching it this time around, I'm like, I kind of wanted to like these main characters. I'm like, okay, they're... They're like they're good actors and they're good performances. Oh yeah, the cast is terrific, I think. And then when it turns around, you're like, God, I don't like either of them. And mm-hmm. they're like they have qualities that I don't want to really get to know, or like I don't I don't trust where this person's coming from. So mm-hmm. I like that. I like like how all the characters, like the three main characters, are all kind of are complex, and it makes the story interesting because you don't really know where it's going to go. It doesn't follow the natural right. movie monster way, right? Like you were saying. And the dynamics are always shifting. Yeah, constantly. You know? yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really kind of, in, in many ways, and this is one of the reasons it reminds, beyond just the, the, the creature's physical resemblance to the, the creature in that movie, mm-hmm. it reminds me of Eraserhead because it really is kind of about the horror of being a parent. Yes. And the idea that you could damage either deliberately or or not deliberately this this life form you brought yeah. into the world and do some really irreversible damage. Well, it's all like a big metaphor with doing an experiment, mm-hmm. you know, creating an experiment and letting it go or being in control of it, watching it. Yeah. Or actually what Sarah Polly's character is doing is like trying to control every little aspect of it. Yeah. She's trying to teach her like how to spell and everything, and it, that's not really like germane to their experiment at all. They're just right. like creating a human life. So why is she raising her as a child? You know? Right. That's where like the lines are getting blurred a little bit. Like, right. What are the, what do they want? What are they doing? Cause that's what I was kind of asking myself. Right. In the movie. Yeah. Like where, what, what exactly does everybody want? Right. In this movie? Yeah. Because the, they're not intending to, you know, reveal Dren to anyone. Yeah, they're, and they're it's not yeah, it's doing not like, this experiment for like so like it's the, not like eventually they're gonna adopt her and then be a happy Right, family. exactly. So you know like that can't happen. So either. like the stated purpose at the very beginning when Sarah Polly is wanting to do this, she's like, we need to do this because basically we're scientists. Mm-hmm. We want to see what's going to happen. We know how to do this. We've had this breakthrough we have to do this. This is what for we the do betterment as scientists. Of mankind. Or just for our for, for the, science, for knowledge, yes. you know, for for science and knowledge. So that's the stated reason. Yeah. Um, and then the the kind of first stage of the movie is they they do seem to become a surrogate family. So you're like, okay, we saw this couple talking about maybe wanting to have children. It kind of seemed like he wanted to more than she did, yeah. right? All that is really like vague that they leave it. I mean, you know that they don't exactly state. Who wants what, basically? Yeah, but I think that's deliberate. No, I know. That's I what I like about these it. characters. Don't are are yeah. are not aware of their own desires, right. you know. Right. And the those the true desires, the deepest desires, the maybe most perverse desires that these characters have are brought out layer by layer as Dren yeah. evolves throughout the film. Yep. It's I think it's a kind of brilliant script. Um, so at first they become this kind of surrogate family, um, and and the guy uh, is more just kind of trying to keep a lid on things, and Sarah Polly is the one that seems to really be bonding with Dren as kind of a mm-hmm. surrogate daughter, um, and then when Dren kind of hits what I would call like puberty, becomes like older, you know what I mean, and and a, and a teenager, she starts to become more rebellious, maybe a little bit more dangerous. Still doesn't wear pants. Yeah. <laughs> and you can see a shift in Sarah Polly's character towards Dren. Yeah. And she starts to, it seems as though she resents her. It's like a mom and a teenage daughter mm-hmm. not getting along. But then there, of course, is a kind of Oedipal yes. aspect to it as well. Yes. And, of course, this is when we have to get into... 
probably the craziest twist in the movie, but I think one of the ones that makes it really powerful is that it starts to become apparent that Dren may have... At first, it seems like, you know, just the kind of thing that happens with teenagers, right? Like, you know, maybe you were mommy's little girl, but then when you grow up, you and mom don't get along, and dad's right. your favorite, right? right? So the dynamic starts to shift a little bit. Right. So so Adrian Brody's character starts to warm to the idea of this, of Dren, and yeah. become more comfortable with her. Well, like, she's learning, too, and they don't have children either, so they're learning as well. They exactly. don't know how to raise the kid either. Exactly, yeah. And, um... And and I and and Dren's even when it's innocent um, affection for uh, Adrian Brody's character, I think is one of the things that feeds Sarah Polly's resentment right. of Dren, which right. is a kind of a it's a that's what's interesting. This is a ta- these it's are taboos, you know. These are taboos. It's interesting the characters because it's like you feel like maybe one character is about to say something and then the other character says something. And then the other person like retreats and goes the other way. Yeah, it's like that subtle in the way. Well, yeah, they're so, manipulating. So each that other. and that's the perfect example is that that scene when they're on the roof. Dran has escaped out of the roof of this barn they've taken her to, mm-hmm. uh, which becomes kind of their their home. Yeah, they're uh, trying they to have keep to hide her. her. She's, she's outgrowing the lab. They can't. Yeah, hide and her and, the and she's outgrowing the barn and this little kind yeah. of family unit they've kind of tried to keep her in. She escapes, goes up on the roof. They go up up after her and this is where you find out she can sprout wings mm-hmm. um and it seems as though she's about to fly off and maybe leave them yeah and they're both trying to get her back she's and re- literally about to leave the nest right and it's 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 Cl- it's clive adrian brody's character that says dren we love you and that's what gets her to turn around she come back and that. embrace him and then you see sarah Pauly yeah. kind of He's not completely. I'm not the favorite parent anymore. Yeah, she's yeah. yeah so um, she's not the favorite parent. She's also maybe not the favorite woman in the dynamic, right, right. right? So that's when that that shift really becomes solidified. And then, um, and then Dren Sarah Polly tries to. It seems like she tries to kind of get Dren back in her good graces a little bit. Mm-hmm. So she's taken away this pet kitten. And she gives the kitten back to Dren. She's Dren. like the absent father who like yeah. always sees the kid on the weekend, so they just give them whatever they right. want. So they haven't been getting along. She's kind of jealous of this new relationship that Dren has with her surrogate father. Right. Uh, so she's like, okay, let me give you back this kitten I took from you. And Dren is not having it. Dren kills <laughs> the kitten immediately in front of yes. Sarah Polly's character. And then uh, Sarah Polly's character slaps Dren and... Probably the most, I think, disturbing scene in the movie is when Sarah Polly essentially tortures this surrogate daughter. Yeah, she really, her character makes a real shift at that part. She does. Now, again, you could explain all this in, like, a cold, logical way. Like, look, Jen is not my daughter. This is an experiment. Like a scientist would. And indeed, she's doing that. She's recording into a voice recorder. Well, this is the reason I'm doing this. You know, I'm... Uh, she so she she straps Dren down and she says that one of the reasons that she believes Dren is having psychological problems is because a particular uh, trait of all the creatures that make her up is becoming too dominant and that's her humanity so she doesn't want her to wear clothes anymore she cuts her dress off yeah um, and yeah, she weird. yeah and she um, uh, extracts surgically well she cuts she off cuts the, end off of the tail. tip of Dren's tail yeah. which is her weapon the little stinger yeah. she has which she used to kill the cat she um, almost killed Sarah Polly's character too, right yeah oh yeah that's right she yeah she kind of threatened her with it yeah yeah so so that's a it's a super disturbing scene because even though the dialogue is suggesting there's a scientific logical reason I'm doing this at this stage in the quote-unquote experiment mm-hmm. Sarah Polly clearly plays it as though I am mad and resentful and jealous and maybe a little bit fucked up from being tortured as a child myself. And, and you see her inflicting this disturbing harm upon their daughter. Yeah. I think that's where it makes Dren's character like interesting where you Mm -hmm. see her being like abused essentially. I mean, you could explain the story in like two ways. You could say they're raising Dren to like help her 
or they're raising her like really bad parents. Right. Or maybe like both those are true. I think both of those are true. But in that scene where she's like operating on her, I mean, she's literally operating on her. Very disturbing. You're totally, or at least I was like totally separated from Sarah Pauly's character. Yeah. She's turned into like mad scientist now. Not like in a crazy, unbelievable way. Like you were saying, like she's trying to rationalize it. Right. And it's not like she's trying to cover her ass by, you know, making a record of it because they're already doing something. She's trying to convince herself. Yeah, she's doing it. She's like going through the motions almost. Yeah. It's almost like maybe there wasn't anything in the tape recorder. She's she's not yet aware of the real reason she's doing this. She's kind of just like shifted in that mode and she's like, like, almost like she's a robot now. Yeah. So. But not in like a mechanical, like bad character, like the way you would really do that in that situation. If that situation ever happened. Yeah. So so Clive Owen is horrified by this. Or not Clive Owen. Uh, uh, Clive. Adrian, <laughs> Adrian, Brody. Adrian Brody's character. Um, I'm just going to call him Adrian Brody, I think. Yeah. Because I have the character name written down here, so I keep like, going back and forth. <laughs> I just say Sarah Polly and Adrian Brody. But, but he's yeah, appropriately horrified by this um, yeah. development. Um, and so it has the effect of, of bringing him and Dren even closer together. Mm-hmm. And this kind of fondness and preference for her quote-unquote father uh, that Dren had does begin to develop into something more. Yeah. Um, and she kisses him at one point. And he pushes her away and says, no, 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 that's... Yeah, they're like dancing We can't together. do that. But yet he begins to have yes. this undeniable, disturbing at first to him, uh, attraction to Dren, who has basically been his quote-unquote daughter up to yes, this point. Yes. Um, so we're getting but into for some, like a few weeks, too. Yeah, but we're getting into some kind <laughs> of disturbing psychological territory yeah. here. And that's how he finds out that it's... Yeah, and that's how he... Sarah yeah, he recognizes Sarah Pauly um, yeah. in his attraction to Dren. Yeah. Um, that's how that comes to light. Um, but then eventually... But then he goes to second base. Yeah, they, um, <laughs> they hook up. Uh, he, they, they have the sex. Uh, him and this creature in this bizarre yeah, it's weird. scene, you know. And <laughs> but that's what people remember Splice for too. It's like, and, and I it's think not it's not really sensationalist, really. It's no. more like almost. I don't even know how to explain it. Well, here's you know, why it's earned. It's it, makes it, it, it is earned, and and here's why I like it. Like, and I I do feel like because there there are so many of these. Um, you know, Frank. There's a million Frankenstein movies, and I don't just mm-hmm. mean movies with the Frankenstein monster. I mean these movies where a scientist crosses yeah, the movies. line, and but none of them really. You know, they don't have the scene where you actually feel like they did cross the line. Exactly. Or came, or came close yeah, you to don't it. really feel like they're crossing a line. You know, more I think, like they kind of like recognize where it is. Right. Like I think when the original distance. Frankenstein came out, it was controversial. Like right. some of the dialogue in that yeah. movie was cut. Well, I mean, grave robbing. Like, Grave robbing yeah. and, and, and speaking about being God. And, and this is like edgy material at mm-hmm. the time. Right. And I feel like by pushing into, the, you know, we don't have a lot of taboos left in this society. Yeah. Oh, I know what you're going to say. And I thought the exact yeah, same thing. Yeah. I remember thinking this the first time I saw it. Yeah. By bringing up, in the context of this monster movie, mm-hmm. um, topics like parents harming children mm-hmm. deliberately, um, it's like the movie incest. itself. The movie itself is an experiment. Y- yeah, it's incest. like testing the waters. Well, the well, yeah, and it also kind of reactivates that idea inherent in the genre of like, okay, right. we really are crossing a line here. We're not just paying lip service to it. We're getting into some difficult kind of right. areas that we're not going to be able to completely come back from. You mm-hmm. know. Um, so of course, Sarah Pauly's character walks in on them when this is happening, and and. The dialogue that um, Adrian Brody and Sarah Pauly have after that—that's a good scene. When he comes back he to comes the apartment, yeah. well, and part of the reason it's so good is like I think that's when the two are closest to actually saying, "This is why I did this." Right. You know, they because they well, he pretty much flat out says why she. They've been this. broken down by the experiences they've been going through, so now all these layers of artifice. You know, all these things they've been telling. All their nerd clothes, even. (laughs) Yeah, all these things that they've been telling themselves, like, this is why we're doing this, have kind of, like, broken down. And, yeah, he says to her, you know, well, I kind of wanted to have a kid. You didn't want to because you were afraid 
you would become what your mother was and harm that child. But if we did it as an experiment, right, you, you could, could test control yourself. Every aspect of yeah, it. and you and you could test yourself. And and indeed, she failed that test. She did become yeah. a, an abusive mother. Um, it's very Jurassic Parky, where you try to contain life, and it's just disaster. Right, <laughs> and, and not just contain life, but also or try to control it. I well, guess. yeah, and, but also suppress what's in you. So rather than, yeah. than them acknowledging, yeah, you know what, I've got some kind of issues. I need to work through these. I need to acknowledge, you know, my own issues with my mother or, or whatever and, right. and kind of bring that out. They suppress that and kind of put all that into Dren, and that harms Dren, and ultimately that harms everyone around Dren and leads to many deaths by the end yes. of the movie. Um, and if that's not a metaphor for the dangers of thoughtless parenting, I don't know what is, you know? So it's, I think this... I don't want to get too preachy, though. But no, but <laughs> I, I think that's all supposed to be there. Yes. And I think, like, this movie, because it's a monster movie, and it is goofy in, in, in oh, yeah. on one level. Yeah. It is a goofy silly, yes. crazy monster movie. It's almost like it could be viewed from, like, one angle, and it looks completely right. silly. Like, even Dren's character can, is sure. doing silly things. Yeah, but... But in another aspect, it's like, it, is that really happening over there? Yeah, <laughs> but it's it's all kind of there, and it all kind of works together mm-hmm. and in a very deliberate way, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's why I kind of love this movie. I think it's yeah. terrific. Um, I didn't. It didn't maybe like thrill me as much as it did when I first saw it. Um, but I definitely think it needs to be kind of looked at again. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I. This is the, he directed Cube. This director, which that I yeah. feel like is a cult classic. Like people know Cube. I haven't seen it. I know of it. Right. Yeah, I've seen it, but I, it was years ago. But I mean, if people know him for something, it's going to be that movie. But but I think Splice is it, it deserves to be looked at again. There's a lot going on in this movie, and there there's not really another movie like it. Except, like I said, maybe yeah, Eraserhead deals with a lot of these things, but in a in a very David even Lynch starts out looking like the Eraserhead. Yeah, definitely. And I wonder if that's deliberate. You know, I wonder. Probably. I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. And we got through that whole thing without mentioning David Cronenberg. I feel like this director yes. is compared yes. to David Cronenberg. Well, they're both Canadian, too. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was very Cronenberg-y. Yes. Like, yeah. Yeah. All right, well, anything else you want to say about Splice or any moments that worked or didn't work particularly for you? For me, the whole thing basically works. I think it works really well, yeah. 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 yeah I think it's good. I, I, probably not on the same level that you thought it was, but... I. Yeah, it, it, you're right. Like, there's nothing else like it. It's like it's unique. It's very yeah. It's a very interesting movie. Yeah. So yeah, I like it a lot. Cool. All right. Well, um, let me just kind of go through a little little behind the scenes stuff that I have, and then you throw in anything that you have too, because I admittedly there's not much out there about yeah. this place that I could find. Um, I think because it's not really loved or hated. Uh, this movie was just kind of, it did moderately well, and then I think it's kind of been forgotten, so there's not really like a cult following uh, for this place. But maybe we can change that uh, starting oh, yeah. with this episode. Um, so as we mentioned, it's directed by a guy called Vincenzo Natali. He is a Canadian director. Mm-hmm. Um, he was actually born in Detroit, but he was raised in Toronto. Um I think he moved there when he was like one. Um, as I mentioned already, maybe I mentioned all of this already, he was the director of the cult uh, classic sci-fi horror film Cube. That came out in 1997, so about ten years before this. Yeah, that was his big movie that kind of put him on the map. Yeah, and that was his first feature film. There were a couple of other science fiction films he did between uh, Cube and Splice. Cypher. One called Cipher and one called Nothing. I don't know anything. Oh, nothing, yeah. yeah, I don't know anything about those movies. Um, and then he went on to co-write and direct Splice. Uh, he'd been wanting to make Splice for about ten years, yep. but the budget and the financing just didn't come together until then. Um, 
Some other kind of career notes on him. He was at one point uh, attached to a new adaptation of, of the Swamp Thing comic book, uh, oh, really? which I think would have been pretty interesting. One of just those Hollywood products that did not come to pass, yeah. but that would have been <laughs> kind of cool. That would be. That's almost kind of perfect. Yeah, I would think so. Um, uh, he's also done, uh, as a lot of directors have now, a good amount of television. Um, he's yeah. directed episodes of Hannibal and Westworld. Um, and his newest film is from this year, uh, 2019, uh, which is In the Tall Grass, which we will be discussing uh, soon here. We're going to talk a little bit about that. I talked movie. about it on the last episode, too. You did? Remember, that was one of the ones that I watched during no, October. No, I completely forgot. <laughs> that made such an impression. But we're going to talk about it again. That was one of the ones that I mentioned I during forgot. The All right. But we're going to talk about it again, right? Sure. Okay. I thought that's why I had to watch it. <laughs> Whatever. All right. So the the cast of this movie, um, I think the – oh, that's one thing I didn't mention that I really liked about the movie. The cast? Yeah, it's the cast. Um, Splice? Yeah. Yeah, because, I that was perfect. Well, I really like, because Adrian Brody and Sarah Pauly are not, like, um, they kind of, they, they each have kind of quirky looks. They're the Canadian version of what this movie would be. Yeah, they're a little <laughs> off or something. Even though, like, I don't, I don't know if Adrian Brody's Canadian. I don't yeah, think he is, but, but I thought that made them... Like the off-brand. I thought it made them more believable as scientists. Yeah, you yeah. know, they just, they don't seem like handsome, perfect, beautiful It also stars. fools with, like, just as a moviegoer, your expectations were, like, the... Good people are pretty, and they look a certain way. Right. And the bad people always are mean and ugly. Right. And they look a certain way. Right. This is like everybody's kind of like normal. Oh yeah. So you're not really sure who's the good guy in the bad guy. Well, who? Well, who? Let me ask you this too. Who is the good guy in the bad guy in this movie? Is there one? I feel like Sarah Polly's the villain. <laughs> She's the closest to a villain, but yeah. I, but I feel like like I feel bad for her. Like like yeah. when when Adrian Brody. But see, like it, it's. More realistic because it's not like black and white. Yeah, it it's is. Like the I don't character. think there is a villain. I think it's. I, like, I just picture her as the villain because of the ending, which is I pretty predictable. But, yeah. Uh, the scene where she's operating on Dren. It's like I feel oh, like yeah. that's like the point of no return. It's like okay, you've turned now. You yeah. Know, you're a villain essentially now. Even yeah. though she has scenes where she's being violated later on, and yeah, kind of she becomes a empathize with her a little yeah, bit, and and she she cries and she feels remorse for having yeah. maimed uh, yeah. her surrogate daughter. And she clearly and like wasn't herself really while she was doing it too, which yeah. is weird. Like you could tell, like she Sarah Polly's a really good actress. Like you can tell, she like kind of changed into a different yeah. person just to deal with that situation. Because yeah. that's the only scene where she's like that. Well, maybe the acting was a little overplayed there, too. Maybe, like, maybe. you know what I mean? Um, but, like, I don't feel like this movie really does have a villain. I don't feel like Dren is the, yeah. the monster, you know, quote-unquote. I don't, I don't really see... Because if Sarah Polly's the villain, like... That would be, like, if I had to name one. I yeah. honestly don't think... Adrian Brody... Like, if you're actually talking about, like, the real, like, the screenplay version of it, there aren't any villains right. to it. No. They're all, well, and you mentioned, the, all the and you and mentioned the like, the boss at the pharmaceutical company, but those people seem like the most level-headed. Yeah. They're the only ones who, they do put a moral. I just mean in an aspect where they're standing in front of the goal that the main characters yeah. are trying to get. In but the main character that the the main goal the char main characters want, want is not good, right. you know, so it's a very morally murky movie, but... Anyway, back to the cast. Um, <laughs> There's not really a lot of cast, though. That's no, I just, I really just made notes on the the three, and and pretty much, you know, people know Adrian Brody. Uh, most people remember that he won the Academy Award for the Pianist. Um, that was way back in 2002. Can you believe how long ago this stuff is? This is unbelievable to me. I feel like that happened not that long ago. Um, but, you know, since then, he's done more kind of like genre films and kind of yeah. quirky movies. So King he Kong. Was in he's in King Kong and... Uh, one of the Predator movies that I didn't see, but he's in Oh yeah, Pre he's in Predators. Predators. Yes. Um, and he's also done some collaborations with Wes Anderson. So he's made. Yes. That's another thing the actors have in common. They kind of choose really interesting mm -hmm. kind of roles. Um, Sarah Pauly, uh, who played Elsa, who we've talked about a lot. She um, she started. She's a Canadian actress. She started that on makes sense. Yeah, she started on Canadian children's television, and she had a, at least a couple of really popular series in Canada. Um, 
And then she went on to star in some really great films from the director, Adam McGoyan. Um, she was in Exotica and a movie I really like. Probably the first Just thing I saw her in called The Sweet Hereafter. Sweet Hereafter. Which okay. also has an too. incest uh, subplot, now that I think of it. So Is that the one with like Ian Holm? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yes, I've seen that one. Great movie. Yeah, that's a really good movie. Um, yeah, she's, she's in Dawn of the Dead, too. She's in, uh, yep, uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake from 2009. That's the movie that changed my mind about horror remakes. I used to just think yes. they should never remake. That was, remember, that was like one of the first good horror remakes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she's in that, too. That's why you shouldn't write Zack Snyder off, either. He can do it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, I know I'm, I'm back on board with Snyder, but that's a topic for another podcast. But... Uh, um, she's also a director, um, yeah. and she directed, um, she's done documentaries. She also directed a really great feature that I like a lot. So I'm a, kind of a big fan of Sarah Pauly, uh, called Away From Her. This is a movie about Alzheimer's disease with Julie Christie. It's okay. really good. If you haven't seen it, I, I highly recommend it. Really good little movie. I knew she was a director. I didn't mm-hmm. know really what movies she did. Yeah, Away From Her is probably, um, her most, maybe her most well-known movie, um, the uh, creature, Dren, is played by uh, an actress whose name I'm probably going to mispronounce, uh, Delphine Chaneac, something like that. She's French, sure. so that's why her name is giving me a hard time. Um, she started her acting career in the 90s. She's also um, a model. I think she read, oh yeah, a disc jo- she's a disc jockey as well. Um, but she started mostly, if not exclusively other than this, um, foreign language films and television. So I'm okay, really she doesn't have to learn English for the movie. Yeah, she, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I, I and really she can look exotic. Yeah, I'm Perfect. really not familiar with a lot of the movies she's she's done, but she's a beautiful actress outside of all the makeup. And, <laughs> I don't and think I've seen her. Kind of in the makeup too, in a weird way. But um, again, not a whole lot about the production of this movie. It's a, a Canadian and French co-production um, that might have something to do with the fact that. Uh, Delphine was cast. I don't know. Um, it was distributed in the U.S. by Warner Brothers, who I think uh, were kind of hoping it would become a franchise somehow. Even oh, though, th- really? yeah, even though this doesn't really seem like um, a movie you would make a franchise of, and indeed uh-huh. they didn't. But I think that was kind of one of the the hopes for this movie. Um, it was moderately successful, but obviously there is no splice two, so it wasn't a huge smash hit. Critical reception was kind of the same. It received Mm -hmm. pretty good reviews. I think it sits somewhere at 70-75% on Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Some people really didn't like it. Uh, Richard Roper named it one of the worst movies of 2010, which it certainly is not. I can take or leave Richard Roper. (laughs) (laughs) Agreed. Um, That is kind of all I have about uh, background on this movie. Again, there just hasn't been a lot written about it. Yeah. There's a pretty good um, kind of behind-the-scenes documentary, I'm using quotes on that. Is it like a press kit? No, no, no. I mean, it's it was it's one of these where it's basically just you watch them making the movie, oh, okay. you know. And they have some kind of interview excerpts. And, On and, the set. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of cool to see. I was really mm-hmm. actually kind of impressed by the, the little girl that plays young Dren. Okay. Um, her name is Abigail Chu, by the way. Um, so she did a really good job. She was very impressive in, like, She the, chewed that bunch. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in the audition footage and stuff. And um, uh, But one of the things that um, the director said was that he wanted this movie to be exactly what I think it is. He's like, I love monster movies and genre and horror and extreme crazy cinema, but I also want to make movies for adults that really talk about philosophical topics and I want to do all that in every movie and Mm -hmm. I think when we talk about In the Tall Grass we can can talk about some similarities and and things that show up in in his stuff but I think Splice he, he nailed that ideal he's always kind of searching for apparently in his films yeah. so but that's kind of all i've really got about the movie i know you listened to a couple of uh podcast interviews yeah i with, heard mick garris's interview with him mm-hmm. and then i heard um well it doesn't really apply to this movie that much i heard there's like a podcast slash commentary for in the telegraph too cool it's just him talking all right uh, the only takeaway i have from um he mentioned in the mick garris interview too he likes monster movies but he wants it to be beautiful I was mm. like, that is what Splice is, I think. Because it yeah. looks like a beautiful film. Oh, yeah. And it's actually like a gross, 
monster, kind of gross out monster movie yeah. almost. So that's that's very uh, Guillermo del Toro. I feel like yeah. has that aesthetic. And it's too. funny. The, oh, I think del Toro's a producer. He's a producer. Yeah, yeah. The the other thing that I thought was funny is he kind of wants to make these commercial movies. He wants to make commercial movies, hmm. but he keeps failing with these movies. It's like. It's almost like it doesn't work. Like, why is he? Why does he have that as a goal? Because he mm. kept mentioning that. Like, so, the, like he the wants studio wants like Cube blew up, and he didn't like his movie Cube. Oh, okay, interesting. He had like a terrible time making it. I have nothing to he, say about Cube. And he didn't seen like it. I, it. I haven't seen it, it either. Yeah. But that's what he was talking about. And then he made Splice, and he's like, I after I made Splice, I can die because Splice is the movie that I wanted to make. Oh, but that's so, so gratifying so to hear him say that. had been, like, you know, gestating for a long time. Yeah, he'd wanted to make it for ten years. Yeah, and then he finally got to make Splice. And then that was, he's, the interview was, like, right after Splice came out, so. Well, good. Maybe in the tall grass. I'm nice. glad he feels good about the movie, and I'm I'm a little frustrated that it's not more highly regarded. Again, I don't think people hate it. Well, I, Q, I think it's, Q was one of those ones that like blew up, and then he said he yeah. did like the tour of all the movie studios because everybody wanted. Oh him yeah, yeah. And he just hated it. Like it's like he just doesn't fit in that world. No. He keeps trying to be in it a yeah. little bit, but I don't know. I just thought it was funny that he was talking about trying to like be in, be like the studio guy, make studio movies, and then. The movie that he wants to make is Splice. I'm like, you, you, like stay in your own lane. <laughs> right. It's, they're probably not going to make money. Like, right. Not that they're going to be bad films, but right. I know, it just felt funny to me that it was like he's trying to. He's saying like two opposing things almost. Yeah. But I guess that's that's what they're all trying to do. Kind of. Yeah. You want to kind of. You want to make a living, but you yeah. also want to make what you want to make. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, he said that about his movies too. This that. For better or worse, even the Cube, which he said he didn't like, he's like, for better or worse, none of these movies were messed with by any studio at all. Yeah, they are for better or worse what I wanted to make. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad he feels that Splice was kind of the ultimate, at least yeah. up to this. That's point. That's kind of what he was like. That's the one movie he wanted. Cool. To make, all right. So the cult of, of Splice consists of three people: you, I, and the movie's director is yes. also a big fan of it, which is good to hear. Mick Garris seemed like he liked. Yeah. That. Well, Mick. Yeah, Mick Garris. He's pretty. He's a pretty generous. He's an easy critic. sell. Yeah. He's a he's a generous critic. Put some blood. <laughs> he's no Richard Rowe. Put some blood in there and agree to do his show, and uh, Mick will yes. be it. Let him let let Mick tell you the story about how he operated <laughs> the R two D two. Animatronic at the Oscars, and, and he'll be happy. <laughs> Sorry, Mick. We uh, wish we had a, a a fraction of your listeners. That's right. Um, all right, cool. Well, I'm I, I'm sorry. I had a mental <laughs> block, and I forgot that it's you gonna, mentioned. Like, change the entire way that I talk about it. You mentioned like on our pod. Well, you know what it is. Like I have a hard time remembering what you and I have talked about on the air and and off the well, air. But I still said it. <laughs> All right, well, you reminded me that I was supposed to watch In the Tall Grass for our Splice episode to kind of go yes. along with it. So what do you want to say or what do you want me to say about In the Tall Grass? What did you... Well, if I go backwards, the reason that Splice is here, like I'm looking at the Blu-ray right okay. now, the reason it's here is because I was thinking of Splice because I had watched In the Tall Grass. Got it. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> I watched In the Tall Grass going... Pretty much totally fresh into it. Just mm-hmm. reading like a description of it. Didn't know the director, didn't know anything. Okay. It was one of like the 30 horror movies that yeah. I watched. I watched more than 30, but. Yeah. One a day or whatever <laughs> that I watched in October. And then afterwards I looked it up and it was written and directed by the guy that wrote and directed Splice. And then all of a sudden that movie started to make more sense to me. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I see Splice in this movie oh, yes. too, actually. Yep. So like. Then it was in my head. Then I was at, like, I think it was a Half Price Books, and I saw Splice. I was like, oh, that would be a good... Or no, you mentioned on the episode that you're going to be on the lookout for Splice. Yeah, okay. And then I saw it, and I was like, oh, you should pick it up here. And then you bought it. So okay. that's how that's how it came to be. I'm going to have to start listening to our <laughs> podcast more often to remember what's been going on in my I life. I listened to it once, and I know. <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that all sounds very interesting. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, all right, cool. Uh, did you say did you like the tall grass, though? Yes, yeah. I really liked it in the tall grass. How do you like it in comparison to Splice? Because I, I, I did just watch it for the first time. I think it functions better as a movie than Splice does. Interesting. Um, in terms of just, like, the story being told, Splice is more of hmm. a foreign 
film. Okay. Where it's disjointed. And you can't really tell, draw like a through line. Of well, that's ironic since In the Tall Grass is all <laughs> about disjointed timelines yes. and, and verging but it fits realities. Together. I mean, it's like a Back to the Future type of thing. Is it though? Okay. I, I think so. Okay. I get the sense you didn't like it. So. No, I did. I actually liked it quite okay. a bit. Um, I didn't like it as much as Splice. I don't yeah. think it's on that level. I, th- I think if I rated them, I'd, they'd be very close. I yeah. think they're both really great hmm. movies. That's why I wanted to go back and visit Splice, because I thought In the Tall Grass was so good. Yeah. Well, my little mini review of In the Tall Grass, um, did you give the premise of it on the last episode? Yeah. Okay. Well, we won't go. We won't do a full review on it. But um, I. Uh, that's one of the reasons I watch it because it has like a really simple premise. Yeah. Some of that's really kind of creepy. Yeah, I did like it. I thought it was pretty effective. Um, it was a neat little story. Uh, I. It just there wasn't really anything about it I didn't like. I just I sort of felt like it was missing something. It just didn't really seem to have the impact. Like there's one at least really disturbing thing that happens in this movie um, involving a mother and a baby. Oh, yeah. And um, it just, it didn't, whereas when when Splice kind of delves into those disturbing areas, it feels like it built up to them. And this just feels like, oh, that's, like shocking and bizarre that that happened in this movie, but yeah. I don't know. It just didn't. It didn't quite seem to earn those moments as I don't know much. If, like, I don't know if disturbing is the goal in, as in the tall grass as it is in splice. Yeah. So I think they're kind of going for two different things there. Yeah. So I don't. I, don't I guess I didn't really know what in the tall grass was going for so much though, other than just being kind of a neat little kind horror like, story, yeah, which I it think was. That's kind of what it is. It's yeah. kind of like a simple, like a little ghost story almost. Yeah. Yeah. I, urban legend. I I dug it. I I also. I mean. I I really liked it. I, I also didn't like completely understand like how the the tall grass worked and the rock and how they, everything. They was talk connected. about that in the commentary. Okay. How they don't want you. To yeah, and, and like that was part of it too. I'm like, okay, that could be kind of like a cheat, but well, yeah, and I mean, sometimes I like that, and I and I kind of liked it in in the tall grass, but but I wonder if part of the reason I wasn't able to completely connect with it is because I just I maybe needed a little bit more. You know what I mean? Of, like, understanding if this happens, then this will happen. And yeah. You know what I mean? I felt like the whole movie, you're you're still kind of uncovering new rules to how okay. this whole thing works. But um, but mostly I liked In the Tall Grass. But we should definitely discuss um, what the connections between the two movies. Because I agree that, okay. that they were there. So, like, what were some of the things that, like, you... Kind of saw. Well, it's fresher in your mind. In both movies, I know, but now I'm forgetting. Now that I'm saying it, but they're well, definitely. The, oh no, I have. There's incest again. The, yes, that was, part, <laughs> that was part of it. But um, no, the the theme of in the tall grass I really liked because okay. I thought it was unique and, okay. and a little disturbing is the leaving family members behind mm-hmm. aspect, where it's like the only way to get away from this thing is to, like, leave people behind. And they kind of refer to the, like, that she's pregnant, the main character, and she's yeah. leaving the boyfriend. They're leaving him behind. And then they, at the very end, well, I don't want to spoil it, but... Oh, go ahead. Is, is it, like, a choice to go back and save the little kid or not? And if you go back into the tall grass, then you're trapped in the loop again. Oh, yeah. It's like... It, and it's like so, and that, the, so, the moral is, like, are the rules to the movie. It's okay. Like you need to keep following... And when she calls herself on the phone, yep. that scene really disturbed me. And mm-hmm. it seems like something simple. Like, if I explain it, it's not going to Sure, crazy. sure. Where she's like, they get like a fuzzy message on the phone. They don't know what it is. Yeah. And then you later find out it was her calling herself. And she's like, you've got to do, like, whatever it was, X, Y, and Z, or we're going to keep making the same mistakes over again. And she's talking about, you know, like, yeah, doing the same loop, and she's going to die again. Yeah. And, like, they're trapped in this forever. And you have to, like change the way you have to like break the cycle in a certain way mm. now, that's what i got from it that's as soon as, soon as yeah, she no, said I that i was like right. it's the way it hits you like a good like a metaphor in the, these little movies does where she's literally says what kind of the theme is like if we don't if we don't do this we're just going to keep doing the same things over and, and over part again. of what and they i thought need. that's like a really like a family drama thing like oh, yeah. it wasn't like a family yet and they sure. couldn't quite get together because they were like yeah it was like a loop it's like a time loop uh-huh. there's no breaking free from it they have to like find some way out of it i don't know I, I thought it was really interesting i like the stories where it feels like they're painting themselves in a corner and they have to keep trying to like get out of it mm-hmm. 
So I don't know. I, yeah. I think it's a really smart script. I, I say disjointed. I would I disagree with that because I do feel like it's, you can connect the dots very well. Okay. I feel like you read um, in the tall grass a little bit better than I did in, in a way that in the way that <laughs> or I'm just reading. Nothing no, no, that no. Was there. I think, but but I feel like your reading of the tall grass sounds a lot like my reading of Splice, where right. as you're saying it, I'm like, oh yeah, that like that makes a lot of sense, yeah. and it, it does seem like Vincenzo Natale type stuff, like. Mm-hmm. This thing that like looks and that was from my initial impressions right. too. That wasn't. I have listened to the commentary, and he has since kind of explained a little yeah. bit of that. Although he doesn't explain that much of it. Yeah. But so that was uh, just like my initial take. I don't even know if that yeah. is part of the. Movie, and I think but that he was, like, wrote, reading wrote, directed, and produced this. I yes. believe other um, people co-wrote Splice. Yes. Because Splice was done over a yes. period of time. Yeah. So I think like the names are on there technically. Yeah, well, they are. I don't want to yes. take the credit from people, but I think like technically they're on there. Sure. Although it's. Pretty much, it's, it's Natalia's yeah. movie, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's the sole guy. But yeah, I like Tallgrass. I like that because it's like they're both they look like genre movies and they are genre movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but what makes them really interesting is that they're 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 family dramas, yeah. You know that aren't afraid to to dig into some tough material. And you, I also you can explain them like really simply, but they're like really yes. rich, like yeah. they're really deep. Like yep. I could like go into a discussion on yeah. the tall grass. St- yeah, it's like still waters run deep, yeah. right? It's like here's a here's a monster movie, here's a Stephen King adaptation yeah. about, you know, people getting lost in a field. And but what's really going on and what make is the more interesting part is what's going on with the characters. And I love that idea of a theme being like to survive and to advance, they need to abandon family and that that's not always a bad thing right and when it came to the end when she was like they're on the fence like should we leave this little kid behind i'm like is this movie actually gonna they're gonna drive away from this kid drive away from a little boy a real little boy asking for real help and they do and that's how they achieve victory that's how they win but at that point in the movie i was like I don't know what's going to happen, and I like that. <laughs> I don't always like to know like exactly where the story's going to go. Right on. Okay, I think I like it a little bit more now after this conversation. <laughs> well, and then it also has like the insects. Do I need to tell you about it a third time? No, <laughs> probably. I will have completely forgotten right. by the next time we do this podcast. But it has the incest theme yes, too. That's also what made me interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, like the old, the it's a brother and sister, and the sister is pregnant, and they're leaving her. Boyfriend, her baby daddy. ex-boyfriend, yeah, yeah, her baby daddy, and so it's almost like the brother's got like ulterior motives. Like yeah, he well, wants to be like the surrogate father. Yeah, they, they don't flat out say it. They do eventually. They it, eventually they kind of do. One, the, the other the, guy says, yeah, it. The, when the boyfriend shows up, they get into a fight, yes. and, and like in Splice, yeah. because of the situation they've been in that's broken them down. Yes, this kind of taboo, unspoken truth comes out in actual yes. dialogue. You know. Yes. Um, now the inc- yeah, I thought that was like another the inc- interesting layer. The incest is not acted upon in this movie, right. um, so maybe it is just in the mind. But maybe of that's character. part of the danger that they're avoiding by going around and around in this loop again. Right? Like maybe that did happen. Maybe that did play out in one of the scenarios if they didn't break free. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah, it's a better <laughs> movie than I thought it was. All right. Right on. Cool. I mean, right. that's. Uh, <laughs> I don't want it to be like a fan theory. That was just like my initial reading. No, that's I've great. only seen it once. That yeah, was my that's, one that's, reading of that's it. That's what we're here for. So that's what stuck with me. That's what we do. That's terrific. Oh, and also Vincenzo talked about how, like, what his favorite movies are. He didn't name, like, what movie it was, but he he didn't want to be like, oh, here's my list of, like, okay. all the movies I want. Because Mick Harris just wanted him to list stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was like, I'll explain, like, what makes a good movie to me. It's like, when I walk out of it, I feel like I'm a different person. Oh, okay. I was like, that is a good way to describe, like, the movies that really impact you. Oh, yeah. Especially nowadays when a lot of them are, like, so disposable. Yes. And I see it in the tall grass, and I've only seen it once, but I feel like I know it more okay. than, like, other movies that I've seen maybe twice. Oh, yeah, like, like, like I remember. There's, like, something about it that sticks with Yeah, me. I remember from a decade ago, moments in right. Splice. Right, I remember that, too. themes from Splice. From Splice. Yeah, there were specific things in Splice. Yeah, that I, remember. I always think of that with movies, what he was talking about, as the shower test. And that means if I saw a movie, I went to a movie, and then the next morning when I'm taking a shower, I'm thinking about the uh, movie, like, then I'm like, okay, that was worth my time. You that's know what, what I mean? Hitchcock like, called refrigerator logic. Oh, okay. Where you go... <laughs> actually, it was like used to describe like a thing in the plot that didn't quite work. Okay. But you 
you see the movie and it's perfectly fine, you love it. And then hours later, when you're like getting something out of the fridge at like 3 a.m., you're like, wait a minute, that didn't make sense. Right. It's like <laughs> the little part that didn't quite work, but yeah. you're like, if I think about this too much, <laughs> right. it's in there. Well, is there anything else we want to say about Splice or um, In the Tallgrass or Vincenzo Natale in his career? Um, no. We should probably watch Cube. <laughs> I said too much of it. I, I wanted to watch Cube yeah. before this. I just didn't get around to it. I, see, I saw it years ago, and I remember the, the opening kill is a famous kill, okay. and it's very effective. And, and Cube is like how they kill people? I think the cube is like. I mean, I, I do I thought not. It was like a room that you. Can't I do not something. remember this movie, but I think the cube is like. <laughs> it's this like is a, a great discussion. You don't remember it, and I haven't seen it. No, we're not going to discuss it. But it's like it's like a, it's a structure. I, I okay. feel like it's like in space or something. Okay. It's got all these little rooms. It's like a maze with all these death traps and things that people can't get out of. That's okay. all I remember. But I vividly remember that opening okay. um, kill, which I is see it though, yeah, too. it's very memorable if you've seen it, but. Um, yeah, we should we should watch Cube at some point, but um, I'm sure it's not as good as Splice. I think Splice is. Like, I know he didn't like it. <laughs> Cube, yeah, yeah that's he didn't have a good experience making it, and he didn't like the movie. That's so. interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, we can kind of coast into our Beyond the Dive segment here, which I, I think we don't have a a lot lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, I actually just wanted to plug uh, another podcast. Uh, which of course is not as good as this one, uh, but actually um, there's a there's a new podcast that just started up, so they just have one episode so far. Oh, I saw you. Okay, link to something. Yeah, it's called Cherry Bombs, the underappreciated movies podcast. That's a good title. It's a great <laughs> title, isn't yeah. it? And that's they refer to these movies as well. This is right. a this is just a regular bomb, but this one this is a cherry bomb. And and those movies they I like it. That's a good title. Yeah, they discuss Howard the Our Duck. Sucks. Howard the Duck in the first <laughs> episode. Um, oh, Howard the Duck was almost one of my suggestions. Well, we can still do it. We can still do it. Maybe we can team up with these guys sometime. Um, but yeah, I'm friends with one of these guys. They do a great job. Um, you can find them on Stitcher and iTunes. Uh, like us, you can find them on Facebook, Facebook and Twitter. They just have the one so far. So it's a brand oh, new podcast. Oh, literally just started. Yeah, you, okay, can, cool. you can be an early adopter and cool. check out Cherry Bombs, the underappreciated movies podcast. That Plug that into <laughs> any podcatcher. Check them out on Facebook. It's re- if you like this podcast, you, you you would be the audience for Cherry Bombs. It's it's very very well done. The the one episode they've done so far, but I'm sure they're gonna do a lot of great stuff. So cool. Yeah, check it out for sure. So what do you got? What have you been listening to? Um, have you been just um, binging Christmas movies since we're in the no. the holiday <laughs> here? No, I mean I did watch Joe Bob's Christmas. Oh yeah, Christmas, yeah. Wasn't what I, I haven't watched that about. yet. Yeah, that could open up a whole can of worms. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> no, I haven't really been watching a bunch of Christmas movies, but I think it kind of relates. I tried to find something that related to the dumpster dive a little bit. Okay. And then I had a appreciated. Of, <laughs> well, this is supposed to be more like freeform, like something just something oh yeah, absolutely somewhat related. Absolutely, not this like, this is a anything goes segment of beyond the day. We but now I feel like it's kind of plain because it's just another movie that okay. I want to talk about. What's that? But I picked it because I know you saw it too. Okay. But I feel like it probably impacted me more, which is um, I was listening to an interview with, or not listening. I read an interview from Quentin Tarantino. About what his, because we're at the end of the year, and he was saying what his favorite movies are. Oh, yes. And his favorite movie was, it's not anymore, because he said it, now it's The Irishman. Okay. But, you know, Which I, I, I don't know how official any of these lists really yeah. are. <laughs> I won't hold him to that. He, but the one he mentioned was Crawl. Oh, yeah. Which was I the other that. one that, that's what I wanted to talk about. All right. Because that movie stuck with me for some weird reason, and I don't know why. Okay. Because I think it's really just a perfectly done movie like such a little i don't know i like those little like twilight zone type stories mm-hmm. almost where you, it's like it could work as like a half hour action movie like i don't know yeah no i, <laughs> I agree i don't know what else to say about it like yeah. i think it's like it, deser- it deserves a revisit because yeah. i rewatched it later and there's so much shit that i'm like totally missed on okay it's like it's sort of the characters would seem kind of flat at first um but there's actually like there are real things going on there. Like, they have real motivations, and there's real reasons why she's going back into the house. I don't know. 
I'm explaining this really badly. No, you're explaining <laughs> it perfectly well. And I, I like Crawl 2. Um, I think you did like it more than I did. Yeah. Um, I, I thought it functioned really well as like an action movie. Almost. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, um, you know, uh, what's his name? Alexander Aja? Yeah. Who did High Tension. Yeah, which is a great Which movie. is a fantastic movie, too. And I felt like this is like really on that level, too. Really? And he was more like... Um, well, again, it's like it's going for something different. It is. It's like he's uh, one of the splat pack, you know, French extremism yes. guys, and he's kind of forced a little bit to rein it in. Oh yeah, and make it like an American alligator action movie. Right. But I think he's like really well suited to do it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, th- I thought it was fantastic. So. Yeah, having I, Quentin Tarantino like mention it again, I was like, it's validating. Yeah, it's like, you know, for some reason that stuck with me too, and I don't know why exactly. Yeah. And it, I rewatched it, and I'm like, this is like a really perfect mm-hmm. little story, well told. Like, yeah. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Crawl, because I agree with everything you're saying. I don't think I like it. it's also like no one else talks about it. That's why I felt like it was kind of related to Yeah, it's, you know, a, a movie like Crawl is, is tough, because, like, I agree with everything you're saying. Like, like it works as, like, this perfect little action vehicle. It's, it's perfectly crafted, mm-hmm. really no... I had no issues with it. It's an hour and a half. Yep. You know, um, it was refreshing to watch a movie like Crawl. You yeah. know, it's because now everything has to be this big, epic, superhero-connected thing, or Star right. Wars, or part of some franchise, or just... It's the big movie of the the even the Splice kind of sets up a sequel. Yeah, but 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 you know, Crawl is just it's just a little it just is what it is, you yeah. know. But that's not a diminishing statement at all, you know. Yeah. Um, but the the reason I struggle with it is like I am kind of left with not a lot to say well, about it yeah. because it it just kind of is what it is. See, that was my initial reading of it too. Is like. I liked it because it was like an amusement park ride. Yeah. Once it ended, I was like, fantastic. Right. But then, like, but did you think about few, it in the shower the next day? A few day? months later, I did. Oh. I thought there was see. an alligator. Okay. No, I have like a like a phobia with oh, like yeah, animals. Oh yeah. Yeah, you have an too, animal. So I think thing. that might be yeah. related to. Oh, it. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> that was part. I just of wanted it. to mention Crawl if people don't. Know well, I'm glad you did. It. I'm glad you did. It's worth a revisit. It's too. definitely worth. Because I liked it a lot more the second time I watched it. Okay, cool. I'm I'm not gonna argue you out of crawl. Crawl oh, is, yeah. is, a, is a fine film, and um, I think a fine note to wrap up this episode of the podcast on. Uh, we've got to go wrap our Christmas presents, uh, or ring in the new year, or whatever we're going to be doing based on when this episode goes up. Oh yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, we will be up at Christmas. Yeah, we uh, we are in the midst of the holidays, which is is part of the reason the podcast production has slowed. Not quite to a crawl. See what I did there? Unfortunately, but I did. It slowed, slowed down a little bit. But I think we're going to be back in full force in 2020. Um, talking about even... I don't know if we'll be talking about... Even lesser known. The better movies, but probably weirder movies. And uh, I think it's going to be a pretty pretty good year for the dumpster dive. So uh, keep diving. Keep listening. And uh, we will talk to you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Happy New Year!